Good morning, diners, and maybe once again, travelers, we'll see. Uh, you're listening to On the Menu with Anne and Peter Haig, and today we bring to you uh, some bright stars, culinary stars, and also um, a certain French connection that we're going to celebrate. Uh, to lead off, we're going to be talking to um, Adeline Druart, who, as you can tell by her name, uh, is French-born, or France-born, I guess an editor would say. Um, and But she's taken over, she's a complicated one, she's taken over a beautiful, um, the, co- the company that really put American cheese cheese on on a world par with with the greatest cheeses of Europe and France. Um, The company is the Vermont Creamery, and uh, they're well known. We've talked to them before about their fabulous goat cheeses and their, um, as well as their cultured butter, which is like, oh, what's that? Good. <laughs> so, so, and, so Peter in particular has been consuming quite a lot of cheese in the last in the last few days, and will undoubtedly continue to do that. Good. And, in, and enjoy every mouthful. Yes. So, sh- shall we hear from Adeline? Yes. Here you go. I'm, I must say we're going to be talking to Adeline Drouin, and um, uh, she is the current president of Vermont Creamery, which is one of our most favorite companies in the whole entire world. Uh, And we've interviewed um, Allison Hooper for years, and and now I'm pleased to welcome Adeline. Um, Adeline, just for those who do not know Vermont Creamery, it's a pivotal company in the development of American cheese, and uh, particularly, of course, goat cheese products. Um, can you give a really brief sort of background and mission uh, for Vermont Creamery? Yeah, well, I'm I'm so glad to be talking to you, Anne and Peter, today. Thank you for having me. Um, so Vermont Creamery, we were founded in 1984. So before, you know, artisan, terroir, um, you know, farm to plate, really was a thing. Uh, the story is Alison Hooper, our co-founder, went to France, to Brittany, and learned how to make goat cheese, culture butter, and really discover also the art of French cooking with those products. And so, wow, um, one day Americans are going to want to eat and discover those products, which I'm sure you had discovered them as well by then, but it was really a novelty here in the U.S. in the 80s. She came back to Vermont, uh, started a goat farm uh, on the Don Hooper's farm and met Bob Reese, uh, the co-founder of Vermont Creamery, who needed fresh goat cheese for dinner to huh? celebrate the Restaurateur of the Year for the state of Vermont. So all the ingredients had to be from Vermont. And so Alison made some goat cheese for that dinner, uh, and then they started a business. And so... Goat cheese was our first ingre- uh, our first product, and then we started to add cow's milk-based crème fraîche, fromage blanc. We made some quark, and um, the first customer that gave us a sh- chance were really chefs in Boston and New York City that that knew how to cook with those um, amazing specialty products. Right. Now, now you you didn't originally start out in in the country that's trying to sell. Submarines, are you? Uh, personally, so I'm a cheesemaker. I went to the National Dairy School of France, uh, and I came at Vermont Creamery as a intern for the summer. Uh, so I worked in wrapping butter and making cheese and really fell in love with, with the company and grew as a business to become the president 20 years later. Very so, impressive. <laughs> you know, the... Um, uh, uh, I think that Vermont uh, cheese dairy was probably um, the, the the creamery was probably the inspiration and um, it gave direction to the American Cheese Society. It wasn't Allison a co-founder? She uh, she she was uh, the co-founder of the Vermont Cheese Council and then also was uh, early on very involved with the American Cheese Society. Yes, yeah. um, she became president 
of of the society uh, for many years and and you know she, she would say uh, you know one day Vermont will be the Napa of artisan cheese and I think she was <laughs> she was right <laughs> she was right she was right exactly yeah mm-hmm. now um what what are some of your most famous cheeses and most popular cheeses for sure yeah so our fresh uh, goat cheese our little log of goat cheese is is i would say the one that is the most distributed and what we're known for um culture butter we make a really good high fat 82% culture butter it's absolutely fabulous absolutely fabulous yeah it is so good uh, I have it every morning on baguettes, you know, that's, and when we run out, uh-huh. this is when my household turn into a disaster. But um, also we make um, creme fraiche, you know. Yeah, now these know are you, new products. Tell us about uh, why your motivation for branching out uh, and with, yes. with the, the flavored sour creams and the um, creme fraiche and so forth. Tell us about that. So the creme fraiche was, Really, I mean, at, at, in the early days, um, we, we quickly grew the, the goat cheese uh, in Boston and New York with, with the restaurants, and, and then we ran out of goat's milk. So Alison was like, what else did I learn in France that I could make that doesn't exist here in the U.S.? And so this is when she really started making um, creme fraiche, uh, finding local cow's milk cream, and, and chefs were asking for it because they were importing creme fraiche um, or, or just couldn't fi- find this really, really high fat cultured uh, lactic cream uh, and that's so that's what um, brought her to, to make those products and every time we would add a product it was often based on a conversation with a with a chef that said do you have that or have you consider making something like that um, so it's been a lot of collaboration over the years and now the sour cream so why are we thinking of sour cream is because creme fraiche is is a very unique product that is you know specialized for I would say um, high end cooking, and and sold in 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 specialty stores. And so we we saw the sour cream in their dairy case, and you know kept on looking at it. I'm like, wow, at some point someone is going to do something uh, interesting in this space. Because what we realize is most of the sour cream are the same fat contents, 18 percent same flavor because it's the same starter culture and we're like we we ought to come uh, in that space and create something elevated but something better with, with yours um, is better flavor. i mean you, yours is better than than any other sour cream i've had and and you changed the ingredients and the process could you tell us what's different about i mean the texture the consistency everything's different about it tell us our listeners about that Okay, good. Well, um, we want a higher fat because, like you said, fat is back, right? And, yeah. and fat in cooking is like you can't replace it. So we wanted a sour cream that would be higher in fat that has this very, very rich, velvety texture. We then uh, wanted a flavor profile that when you taste, it's like, wow, this is different. This is good. This is richer. We wanted that richer taste. So that's why we worked with our um, blend of starter culture that um, that we've been known for that creates this hazelnut lactic taste um, to create a really good base sour cream. And then we worked on the uh, ingredients. We, we realized that 70% of the sour cream usage is between baked potato and um, Hispanic-inspired foods, such as tacos. So... That's really what drove us to work on um, roasted onion and chives for potato application and then the cilantro lime for um, Hispanic um, dishes. Now, you have, um, you have different flavorings for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. You have, I mean, garlic and herb is wonderful. Uh, I was eating that with a spoon. Um, red pepper and lemon. Um, the other one that I was just crazy about, by the way, was your cilantro lime creme fraiche. Yeah, yeah. Tell that's, us about that's that. 
Yeah, the cilantro lime sour cream is is um, we you know we wanted to have something that can be used as a topping uh, that brings the cooling effect of sour cream, but with yeah with with a uh, with flavors that um, that in that works well with either tacos with Mexican food or or spicy food. So that's how we. Um, we, we came together, we were looking at Sasa Verde, we were looking at all those new, I would say, um, flavors that are very much on trend on menus, and, and so how do we incorporate that into our sour cream, and also make sure it's clean ingredients. Make sure that when you taste the product, it almost feel like you just made it, uh, you know, chopped the herbs, the cilantro from the garden, and just uh, created that lime zest. Yeah, uh, include, include, included in our wonderful basket that you sent us, there was a cheese with a funny name that starts with a C and was in sort of like a Coupole. little box. What, what's that? <laughs> yeah, Coupole. So Coupole is an aged goat cheese. It looks like a little brain. Uh, it has wrinkles on it. So yes. uh, Coupole means um, dome in France. French, so okay. it's... Right. Uh, it's an aged goat's milk cheese that is aged for about two weeks, three weeks. And uh, it's complex. Uh, you know, it has, uh, it has a dense center. Um, and it's a beautiful cheese, a cheese for cheese boards. You know, I'd like to back up a little bit because um, a, a lot of people are not familiar with cultured butter as opposed to regular butter. Um, maybe you could briefly explain the difference. And also, I just had a funny uh, flashback. Um, the, the 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 gold standard is um, uh, Disney of the French it's butter. Okay. Yes. Is it and, Yeah. And I read that that's really the the source of the family name for Walt Disney. Did you know that? Gosh, I shouldn't know that, right? Being born in France, uh, but I don't. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, that's what it, it, it comes from there. Well, I, that was just an aside. But um, yeah. back to this thing about people who aren't familiar with European cheeses, I mean, um, European butters, and perhaps do not know the difference between what, what they usually get as butter and cultured butter. What does it mean when you're going to have cultured butter? Yes, good question. Um, so um, cultured butter is, um, so regular butter, sweet cream butter is uh, the standard butter you find here in the U.S. And it's 80% butter fat content. And it's made with sweet cream. That means um, the butter maker takes cream um, and then um, churn it, uh, which is whipping the cream until you get that grain of butter, and then churn it into into butter. Um, and that's, that's I would say, 90% of the butter you find in the marketplace uh, here. Culture butter is mean that you take an extra step, a very important step, which is to culture the cream before you churn it into butter. And um, for us at Vermont Creamery, we, we culture it by adding starter culture. So think of when you make yogurt, you add, you know, starters and, and bacteria that are, those bacteria are going to culture the cream, eat the sugar, and produce flavor over, over time. For us, it's like 20 hours of culturing time. And wow. then only we, yeah, and then only we, we churn it, uh, churn the cream into butter and, and the way I describe it, the, the, the simplest way is like you can make wine by taking grape juice and adding alcohol and vanilla and a little zest of cherry, or you can take wine and, oak, uh, and age it in oak barrel. That's the difference of culturing the cream is really having a very rich, nutty flavor uh, into the cream that then translates into a, a very rich, flavorful butter. I mean, the yeah, difference is so enormous. It's just amazing. Let's recap for a second, just to make sure I'm on the right page here. The cultured butter is it's made from cow's milk. Yes. No. Okay, I just wanted to be sure because 
there are products on the market which are called goat butter. Where did we yep. get that from? And, and, and we, we've we've had that, and we we enjoy that. We enjoy that too. So, Meyer Meyer Berg Meyer, Meyer Berg goat yeah. goat butter goat milk butter. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just read a poignant article about um, sheep dairy farmers, how they have no protections and no no interest in them, and it's out of all the. Um, dairy farmers in the United States, there are only 200 um, of, of these um, of the sheep dairy farms, and they have no mm-hmm. money support or anything. It's not just, I don't know where they're going to go if not out of business because they're shrinking. Just, well, I'll just throw that in. <laughs> um, you may not be interested in it, but <laughs> sheep farmers would be probably. You, you never think of... of what kind of sheep makes the sheep milk? Do you? No, we're we have our hands full with 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 goats uh, and trying to, <laughs> to you know educate consumer nationwide on the benefits of trying goat cheese and cooking with goat but, cheese. But if you want to make Roquefort, you have to have sheep. You have to have sheep. You after yeah. you're absolutely right, Peter. <laughs> we, we actually we actually drove down the road. Which separates the Roquefort area from the rest of the farming area around a city that starts with an M. It's a name I have forgotten. Which is which is the source of the famous blue cheese that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Roquefort yeah. region is is out. It's it's beautiful, and I hope she had a chance to visit the caves. We, where they we, ate actually, the we actually ate at a truck stop. Which we went into because it passed the parking lot test. It was it was actually there were, wonderful. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people in the parking lot, so we figured we figured it must yeah. be a good place. That's our parking lot test restaurant. There you go. <laughs> How many varieties did they have? You mean you mean well? Roquefort. Our, our dessert. We decided we wanted to have cheese instead of a more conventional dessert. And I think we had like six different kinds. Six or seven, yeah, different one, kinds. One, of one better than the next. Wow. It passed the parking lot test, so it validated what we've always believed. There you go. <laughs> you know, I had a, a question about um, food. The whole way of shopping for food has shifted. What people are buying has shifted um, just with development and exposure, but also because of the, the hang-ups with the COVID. I mean, how is the uh, uh, cheese markets uh, there? I mean, how do they do? Is it up, down, it, the same? It's uh, Oh, it has changed uh, quite a lot. Um, and I would say, you know, when when the pandemic started, all of a sudden people are at home, they have to cook. They're rediscovering their kitchen, so and have to cook three meals. So I, I think it was yeah, con, yeah. Consumer families were rediscovering their kitchen and how to cook, and that's why you saw some trends like make your own, you know, um, bread and and you know cookies were flying off, you know, of the um, of the recipe, I would say, shelf online. And so we saw a lot of people cooking. We also saw uh, consumers wanting to treat themselves with good food. They were no longer going out in restaurants, but they wanted something that makes them feel happy. And that's what specialty cheese does, you know, um, or specialty food, like a good, a good piece of chocolate, a great glass of wine and, and a slice of goat cheese was um, was what brought comfort uh, during those hard times. So we saw we saw uh, a ramp up in, in in you know culture butter and sour cream and then also specialty cheeses for at home consumption. And and also consumer wanted to hear more about the story of those producers. So that was important for us to to show up and continue to had our story, nothing different than what, you know, what we've done in the past 35 years, but really continuing to to show up uh, with inspiration on how to cook and then also explain consumer where their food comes from. 
right. and in the future it's going to be it's going to be interesting the you know how the restaurant industry pivots and we hope that those consumers that learn how to cook at home are going to stay with the habits you know uh-huh. No, it, it, it is said that General de Gaulle, who was the president of France, I think for, for three or four terms, some, someone commented about cheese or something like that, and he, he replied, how do you govern a country which makes 450 kinds of cheese? <laughs> and, and yeah, that's the famous thing, quote. The interesting thing is I think that was an underestimate of how many kinds of cheese made, <laughs> made in France. They, yeah. well, I mean, the American cheese scene has certainly, it used to be all you could get was cheese from Wisconsin, you know. I mean, there's some very fine cheeses from Wisconsin, but, um, well, I mean, your whole experience at the fancy food show has to be different since it's all online, right? Yeah, it is all online, which, you know, for us, we we create food because we love to eat food. You know, I mean, our when 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 we want to explore, we go eat in the market. We go meet with chefs, and and so it's been a little challenging um, as we haven't gone out as much. Actually, I'm driving to New York City tomorrow for the first time in two and a half years because because we want to explore uh, again. Uh, Vermont is a great way to a great place to explore and create but we also got to go and be out in the world um so really looking don't, forward don't forget to wear your mask right yes yes <laughs> where to just in case yeah do you see any change in direction for vermont creamery um change in direction no um uh, what I would say is what we're going to do is double down into who we are um, from a mission perspective, but also from a being innovator and, and, and create culinary experience in places that people don't expect. Um, you know, we, along with two other pioneers on the West Coast, we created a market for goat cheese uh, and then creme fraiche, and then we are the first one to make culture butter and now we are going and making sure that those products such as culture butter or, or sour cream are delicious product that is available in in a broader uh, market. So going for, you know, more distribution because, um, you know, we want consumer to, to appreciate specialty food um, but also have access to specialty food. So it's so no longer... You're going to be- marketing more broadly in general markets yeah. is that what you're saying yeah yeah uh, That's when, you, when when you mentioned the person on the west coast were you talking about mary Keene? mary Keene, yes yeah. I, 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 asked her, I, I asked her once out of the blue why why she made goat cheese and she said i was a single mother with three children <laughs> yeah yeah that's her story it's an amazing story it is amazing, Zoe. So well, there are stories as... all over the country, all over um, goat cheese, and uh, certainly over Vermont, which is probably the most prolific producer of um, a specialty food that I know of as a state. It's just amazing. So you must be having mm-hmm. a lot of fun there, are you? We do have a lot of fun, and not to mention great bread and croissant and you name it (laughs) (laughs) and are you having fun with your with the goats we interviewed um angela miller about how she i mean she's a publicist for mainly for um, culinary books but uh, she bought a land and couldn't figure out what to do with it so she started raising goats and she has her memoir is the funniest stories i never thought all the different personalities that goats have but she, she was going on about them. So, well, you it's just check been a pleasure. To, to, pardon? I should check on that book. Oh, what's it called? Um, her name, her name is um, um, Miller M I L L E R, and um, mm-hmm. Angela Miller. And what is oh, the book yeah. called? But um, it's, she's a, a very clever um, thinker and writer. 
and uh, it was very absolute. She's active in the American Cheese Society now. Yeah. I mean, yes, her, yes. her, she went from knowing nothing about farming mm-hmm. or about goats or about cheese making or anything to being a, a big award winner with her products now. Yeah, con- she uh, considered Bartwell. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Maybe yeah. that's the name of the book. I don't know. It's the name of the cheese, and it's delicious. It's the name of the cheese, but what did she call the book? I don't. It's all almost as good as goat cheese. (laughs) Yeah. So, Adeline, I'm so happy to know that the Vermont Creamery is still on 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 a future-looking road, and that it has somebody who's going to steer it well. It was great meeting you, and uh, thank you for taking time out of your. uh, your presentations and your, your meeting with, with uh, buyers to talk to us about the Vermont Creamery. And um, it's, I found some new thing to put the, the butter on I wanted to tell you about, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it was something that, well, that would have been without any, any attraction whatsoever except for your butter. <laughs> well, this weekend I hosted my team and I put in some really good truffle in our butter, and I can tell you, Ooh. nothing beats that up. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds heavenly. I know. I know. <laughs> but Anne and Peter, thank you so much for, for having me, and um, congratulations on, you know, a weekly, a weekly story to tell uh, for, for so many years. It's, it's quite inspiring um, as it well. Thank you. It's been a long time. Well, we keep we'll, meeting old friends, which is really good. I mean, we'll this sneak is, a little it's encouraging to see people. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. Um, next up, we're going to be talking to Rebecca Ossalter, um about full girls, which is both a concept and physical projects. Um, you could probably you could probably figure out um, how to name some of the popular bread chefs uh, that are, are cooking and, and the star chefs, celebrity chefs in celebrity-starred restaurants. How many of you could name the sous chef that cooked your meal? Because that's probably what happened the last time you were there and every yeah. other time you've been there. And Fulgurans is, is, is the name of the chef, several restaurants. And get, guess what? One of them's in Paris. The original one's in Paris. The original's in Paris, and, and they just opened one in uh, Brooklyn. In the laundromat in Brooklyn. And, and, and it's called the Fulgurans Laundromat, and it's actually in a laundromat. Well, listen to Rebecca tell us about it. Well, Rebecca Ashsalter, oh, you are in Paris. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Um, we're going to be talking. I'm, I was... You got my attention with your program, Full Garants, um, when they opened in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. But the beginnings of it are um, in Paris. Um, you are one of the owners of, of the company. Um, yes. Let's start just so we can bring our, our listeners up to, to speed on this. Whatever started this? What is the concept behind Fulgurans? Uh Well, uh, Fulgurans actually uh, started uh, a while ago in 2010. Um, we actually started with a, um, an event uh, that we called uh, Les Seconds sont les Premiers, which means um, the sous chef is the chef. Uh, and, uh, basically the idea was to put the sous chef in the spotlight because we realized that often he was the one running the show, um, but, uh, he was never, uh, put forward by the chef, but he was really the, at the hands of the chef when the chef wasn't there and that the sous chefs really are the, the talents of tomorrow. Um, yes. and so we started organizing this event, uh, every month. Uh, where we would invite a sous chef to come uh, do a dinner for the first time in his name um, for about 70 people. 
And uh, we had sous chefs from all over the world come uh, to Paris to, to, uh, to participate in this event. And uh, in a, a couple of years later, we decided uh, to take that idea further. And instead of offering them a restaurant for one night, why not offer them uh, a restaurant for three to six months so that they can really uh, express themselves and, uh, and be put uh, center stage. So uh, we opened our first one. Yeah? Rebecca, why don't you take a moment to explain the difference between your arrangement with the chefs and the typical French brigade system where where, where the chef is the almighty God and, and everyone <laughs> bows. And, and yes, you well, decided, it's very... You decided, uh, you decided younger people should have a chance. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is true that um, in in any kitchen, obviously, there's a, there really is a sense of hierarchy, where the the chef is um, is, is the chef is the is the hero, and people come to discover his cuisine. But you often forget all the people that make his cuisine possible, and that often goes by his sous chef, who is his second in command, who is usually completely unknown, <laughs> never seen, yeah. never heard, but who is the one who, back in 2010, when chefs became uh, a lot more mediatized, so there started being a lot more events where chefs started stepping out of the kitchen, um, we, that's when we realized that while the chefs were, were out, you know, organizing events uh, or pop-ups or, or television shows or things like that, and their restaurants were still running thanks to their brigade and which was led by uh, their sous chef, who was their their ally, who was their hands and 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 taste when the chef isn't there, and who is taught to be able to think, act, and cook like the chef when the chef isn't there, and uh, now, and we realized that they were never never known. Now that you you handle, they get free free reign to explore and present their cuisine, but but your company handles all of the um, details, the business details, and, and all the arrangements necessary to run a restaurant? Yes, exactly. Basically, for us, the idea is that we invite them and we, we give them absolute uh, carte blanche, free reign to, to do their cooking within a framework. So we give them, well, a physical restaurant, first of all, um, a team. So the team is fixed. So all of our kitchen staff, our dining room staff, stays the same. The only person who changes is the chef. Uh, and uh, we invite them to come and uh, do their menu for the first time. To, uh, to we, we like to be kind of like a, a testing ground for them um, where, where they can try different ideas, different concepts, and we, we guide them, we accompany them. We handle the business side. We handle the recruiting side. We handle everything. And so they can have this time to really focus solely on their creativity and on their cooking uh, before they set off to perhaps open up their own place um, since the idea is to take these young talents that haven't necessarily ever run their own restaurant, haven't necessarily been able to cook their own food, um, and this is kind of the little last uh, stepping stone uh, for them. And we, we have a similar concept in the States um, besides your place in Brooklyn where uh, th this group, it's kind of like they set up what they call a galley um, by location. Mm -hmm. And and they have uh, anybody considering opening their own restaurant, they, they give them the opportunity to test out how they think it's going to go. So um, mm -hmm. diners will go into one of these galley spaces and can choose from, say, four different restaurants at a time plus a mm -hmm. bar, and and I guess the general idea is that they, that goes on for like, I think it's four months or so, and then um, they move on to an, another batch. So it's kind of similar to that? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The idea is that they, um, they come in to test uh, their menu, test their cooking, and, uh, and then they have a real... Uh, real-time feedback from uh, real clients who come in, um, and, uh, and then after a couple of months, uh, they leave and they go off to, to start up their own, uh, their own project. Um, they, so, yeah, it is find, very similar. Do they find you or do you find them? 
Well, it depends. Um, definitely when we opened, we were finding them, thanks to the event that we had been running for the past three months, uh, three years, sorry, um, we, we had been following a lot of young chefs, and so the first couple of chefs that came through our residency program were uh, chefs that we had done this event with, who uh, just so happened were about to leave their restaurant and their position as sous chef and were ready to set off um, on their own. And uh, But then uh, throughout the years, uh, we're starting to get a lot of people who apply, which is, which is great. Um, and even better is uh, more gratifying is when chefs actually uh, recommend their sous chef. They, they contact us oh, saying, cute. you know, I think that I have a, an amazing sous chef and I think he's ready to spread his wings and I think it would be great for him to come, uh, come to you for a couple months. And for us, that's, that's the, the ultimate uh, compliment uh, when a that's chef very comes great. to you for their sous chef. Yeah. See, that's really, I never thought of that. That's a real game changer. That's great. Yeah. So now this mm-hmm. was received very well by the diners I understand right mm-hmm yes and, well, and I think how, people are very excited about it yeah and but how how what is your experience with the chefs do they go on to open their own restaurants or not um it depends honestly the one thing that for sure is that they never go back to being a sous chef <laughs> once what do they you mean? become chefs why well, isn't like once they become chefs for a couple of months, um, and they, they, you know, they, they've, uh, they've experienced that. They don't want to go back to being uh, someone else's sous chef. Ah. They're, they're ready to be on their own. Um, that's cute. So that's one thing that's for sure. Uh, and then, yes, some go off to open their own place. Um, we've seen recently a lot of chefs who decide uh, not to open a restaurant, but to be, um, you know, more the no, the new nomad chef with no. Uh, fixed restaurant, but who travels, uh, does events, um, and goes uh, maybe doing pop-ups. There's a lot more young chefs who don't necessarily want to be tied down to a restaurant anymore. <laughs> um, so it depends. Yeah, it depends on, um, on, on what residents. Um, now, I mean, how, how does this, um, how many restaurants do you have in Paris? Um, so we have two restaurants and a wine bar in Paris. Okay. And so one of them is a, is a more um, similar to the one we opened in Brooklyn in the sense that it's a more of a, a high-end uh, gastronomic experience with a prefix seven to ten course menu, um, and it's it's uh, thirty thirty six seats. And then we have a larger uh, restaurant in the fourteenth, so across the river, um, and there we have uh, about a hundred seats, and it's a uh, more of a, a relaxed, more casual. Um, uh, small plates, uh, big plates to share, uh, but it's still that same residency um, program idea. It's just that we realize that there are a lot of very talented chefs who don't necessarily want to express themselves in the gastronomic realm. Um, mm-hmm. They want to do something a lot more, yeah, a lot more casual, but just as um, rigorous, um, and they're just as talented, and they just didn't want to do a prefix. So we said, why not um, open this idea to a, another roster of chefs? So we opened that um, that restaurant in, uh, in 2020. No, you, the one in Brooklyn is in an old mm-hmm. uh, laundromat, and you maintain the theme for, for the, the um, decor. Um, mm-hmm. And... And, and, and it's in the name. It's um, it's old Brooklyn laundromat, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Now, is that because you found a laundromat space? Yes. Yes. We found the space. We we fell in love with the space, and um, and we were uh, we realized that it was it was actually a landmark building. So um, we couldn't necessarily change the uh, the facade. Um, and there these beautiful uh, original gilded uh, laundry sign on the on the windows, and um, and we thought, well, why why try and change it when it's so beautiful and it has so much history? And um, and when you know when you're doing laundry, uh, you know you have the cycles that are turning and turning. Well, we're turning chefs all the time, so we can make it work. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and uh, and all of our restaurants basically are called Fulgurance, and then under it is the location. Um, so we have Fulgurance L'Adresse, 
which is our first address. And then we have Fogurant on Fest, which means across the street, which is the wine bar, because it's literally across the street. And then we have Fogurant L'Entrepôt, because it's, it's in a warehouse, in an entrepôt. And now we have Fogurant Laundromat, because it's in the laundromat. So it's uh, <laughs> our way of uh, everyone being able to know where they are in the world. <laughs> That's right. No, no, it's, it's uh, set up as a business, so um, presumably you have a, a profit involved in this, right? Uh, well, it's run like uh, any business, any, uh, any restaurant, really. I mean, we, um, we open, uh, you know, five days a week. We have all of our staff uh, who have fixed salaries, and then we have a salary uh, for uh, for the chef, so it really is run like uh, like any other any other restaurant. Okay. Um, the, have you discovered in the, in the process a great talent that was going under the radar? Uh, well, many. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I'd say that we we've definitely uh, discovered a lot of uh, a lot of great talent over over the years. Um, and and what's great is that they're all they've all been uh, very talented in in very different ways, but they've always been someone's favorite. So that means that we haven't made some mistakes so far in our casting. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, what have you had a lot of chefs uh, involved with the um, the Brooklyn restaurants? Have you had lots of sous chefs? Well, we just signing up with it. Um, well, yeah, well, we just, I mean, we just opened uh, in May in Brooklyn, um, and uh, we are now on our third uh, third chef and uh, resident chef uh, who just started, and, yeah. um, and we have uh, quite uh, a lot of people uh, interested in joining the program. The, the biggest challenge right now because of uh, COVID is that uh, the... Uh, the uh, sorry, I'm, I'm losing my English for a second. The uh, the front um, the frontiers, but that's not the word, um, are closed, as in no one who's not American can come into the country. Got it. Right. And uh, right. border uh, is the word. You border. Thank for. you. Sorry. <laughs> um, you you speak without any either. accent, so I forget that the, the English is not yeah. your first language. <laughs> I know it's confusing sometimes. I just sometimes sound silly because I can't find my words. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the borders are closed, and the whole concept is based on the fact that we invite chefs from all over the world to come cook um, because we like to follow, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on uh, on an international level in the food scene. Um, so uh, that's been a, that's been hard for us uh, in Brooklyn and in Paris. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. for the past. Uh, two year well for the past year in Paris we've had to only have locals in the sense that they are from France um, even though they're not necessarily French and in New York we had to find again locals who are not necessarily American but who live in uh, America and, or who have a visa um, so uh, that's uh, that's been a yeah a, a tough uh, challenge not necessarily a challenge but just uh, it feels it feels very limiting to the concepts um, and so. We had to ch- change a lot of things around in the lineup that we had our plans. Yeah, well, the, the, the um, industry has been hit hard by COVID, I know, ever, in every no. regard. And what does the name really mean, Full Grounds? Uh, well, unfortunately, there's no um, word, there's no direct translation in English, but in, in French, it means um, it's used to describe. Uh, an emotion or a feeling that is uh, very uh, powerful but fleeting um, and that leaves uh, a lasting impression. Um, sometimes oh, people compare it to a shooting star. Uh, oh, so interesting. That's, uh, now, now you, you, you started out with your, with your partners with a, with a magazine. Is the magazine still running? Uh, yes, we still have the magazine. We just actually released um, the fifth issue, um, and we're we're, uh, we're we just uh, we just received it, and so we're we're doing the official launch uh, in uh, in November. 
so we are continuing that magazine. It's really a way for us to keep um, traveling and uh, meeting new chefs and, and uh, staying on sure, top of sure. everything that's going on in the world. Um, so it's it's uh, it's very important to us to also always have that. What's that, it called? Uh, um, What's the magazine well, called? It's called uh, Um Okay. Uh, Fulgurant's Almanac. Oh, okay. Let's make sure we get the website where, where people can sign up for the magazine and get information Absolutely. All about your restaurant. Yeah, what is the website? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just Fulgurant's.com. I never um, would have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have information yeah you have the magazine um, and then all the different restaurants um, and that's also where we take our reservations now what, what would if somebody's interested in joining the program do they just go to the website mm-hmm. yeah yeah they just go to the website uh, send us an email uh, and then we yeah and then we just set up a call or a, or a meeting and um, and we always uh try and have them come in uh, to obviously to meet the team, uh, spend some time in the kitchen uh, and do uh, and, and do one uh, of one of our events uh, so they get uh-huh. a feel for the space and to make sure that they'll they feel like it's a good fit for them and it's a place where they'll really be able to express themselves to the fullest because um, that really is the point so. yeah and what what kinds of things do you look for in particular in the chef before taking t- him or her um, <laughs> it's us. That's a good question. It's a hard, hard question to answer. But I mean, we, I mean, we are in the. Um, I mean, it means everything and nothing to us. But that, in that, I think we always say contemporary cuisine. Uh, we look for, we look for a cuisine that really has people that have a that have a sensibility, that have a story to tell, that have an emotion through their cooking, that are trying to really say something. I mean, obviously, it's going to be seasonal, local, because. For us, that's a given. All food should be like that anyway, but it is a prerequisite. Um, but no, I think yeah, we look for people who really, who ha- you feel like they have something really, they have something to say. They're they're cooking with their their soul and and their guts, <laughs> and um, and that we really want to display that to the world, and and we want to tell their story to the diners, and we want them to to help them refine that identity. Um, so so yeah, will I you that's expand? What we're will you expand in the United States, Rebecca? Do you think? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, never say never. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a grand idea. I mean, I, I truly do. There, Thank you. Now, I, I know from personal experience, um, a lot of uh, uh, sous chefs or even um, chef de cuisines, um, not the big name um, for a restaurant, right. go unnoticed. And then I also mm-hmm. know that a lot of them don't really manage the transition to their own restaurants. But as you explain, that gives them a whole new identity and, and sense of purpose, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well I, I wish you well. And, and it's, well, thank I, you. I, I, I believe the concept is, is marvelous. Did you all come from a food background, you and your two partners? Um, for a food-loving background, uh, for sure. Um, but uh, we, we we wanted to work in. So we came from different angles. Uh, I'd say uh, one of my business partner, Sophie, was more on the journalism side, um, but always interested in the in the, in the food world. She worked for a for a, a culinary um, event company and magazine before. Uh-huh. Uh, and then my other business partner, Hugo, was more on the event side. Um, I see. Uh, and also organizing big um, big events around around food, and I was more on the um, the consulting and uh, and PR side. Okay. Well, anyhow, again, uh, listeners, it's f u l g u r a n c e dot com. F. Check out the website and check out some of the restaurants, um, especially if you're in Brooklyn. You get to also see an historic building, a former laundromat. And well, thanks for talking to us. Hold on, hold on a second, Levi. I had a suggestion for, for Rebecca. Yes. I, think, I think your concept would, would, would be an absolute total winner in London. 
Well, we thought about London before New York, but uh, it was closer <laughs> to Paris. <laughs> but um, my business partner, Hugo, uh, dreamed of living in New York City, so we decided to go there instead. Maybe one day. Maybe <laughs> That's <possible>. right. <laughs> <laughs> and Brooklyn, of all places. <laughs> of, all, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's a delight talking to you. And um, if we yeah, ever get so to travel, I'll be sure to, tra- to check out the re- restaurants in, in, yep, in both Brooklyn do. and Paris. Yeah. Perfect. So thank you again. And, and right, keep us so informed. Okay. I will, absolutely. Bye. Thank you. Again for us today, and until next week, same time, same place. And what do we say? Do you want your shot at this? Vive la France! (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye! Bye bye as well.